Okay, well, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, who am I talking to? Hi, this is uh, Nicolai Garcia. I'm a poet, a communist, living in uh, Compton, grew up in South Central, founding member of the Coleman Collective, and here for Dryland. Oh, hello, Kami on Twitter. Yeah, and um, I guess like the first thing I want to ask you about is... Uh, we're definitely going to talk about all those things, and as well as your book, Nuclear Shadows of Palm Trees. But um, I just want to like ask you, like, when you wrote the poem "Stoppage of Play," did you like expect it to be this prophetic? I did not. I did not. I don't even. I have no recollection of how I even started, uh, you know, writing that poem. You know. I'm sure I wrote it sometime in the summer, during the summer, because I'm sure I was going to uh, a lot of baseball games. For the people listening, it's um, it's about uh, basically fans sitting in Dodger Stadium as the president comes on and uh, the jumbotron because of you know the because of a nuclear war. And well, yeah, were you gonna say something? Yeah, I mean, I I can read it or read part of it or whatever if you want. Well, if you want to read it, go for it. But um, yeah, no, go for it if you want. Yeah, it's a pretty short poem. Stoppage of play. Threat of nuclear war has caused a delayed game at Dodger Stadium. Thousands of loyal fans remain in their seats, pecking at smartphones. On the jumbo screen, an announcement from the president. America first, he says. Crowd goes wild. Meanwhile, in Congress, bobbleheads nod in approval. Not even the silly hopes for a World Series will remain at Chavez Ravine. Nuclear shadows of palm trees will be the only evidence of where a city once stood. Yeah, thank you so much for reading that. That's one of my favorites, I think. Um, I, but I did want to, I guess, ask you about like, um, cause you, you are, I think you are, I think a Dodgers fan and like, I'm also a huge fan of baseball, another team, the Mets. And I just like, cause it's clear to me that you're writing that also as someone who is a fan of baseball. And I guess as like a baseball fan, you know, I always have that kind of contradiction, <laughs> contradiction in me about what I'm watching and its place in, in the culture. I mean, it feels like you feel that too. Yeah, I mean, especially me because I, I actually I go to to as many games as I can. You know, um, I go to at least a, to at least a dozen games uh, every year. Um, but yeah, like you know, the first thing that they do is the fucking uh, allegiance. You know, which I've I've always hated, but especially hate right now when people are being or when Trump is really trying to get people to be you know, as, as patriotic as possible. I mean, me, usually, unless they're giving out some good free at the game, I'm, I just try to get there a little bit late so I don't have to sit through that because I'm not going to stand, you know. I, I, uh, and I'm, I'm, I sit through it, but usually if I'm there before game starts, I'll just go to the restroom. To me, that's like the perfect time to go to the restroom is the Pledge of Allegiance, you know. Um, so so there's that. There's all this this patriotism that's pumped into it, especially during opening day, opening day weekend. 
you know, there's all the red, white, and blue everywhere, and it's during the summer, uh, so when it's 4th of July, they have all these fireworks, and, and really, uh, probably a lot of teams do this, but they have like a, a really big time uh, U.S. military appreciation, and I think uh, Dodger Stadium, pretty much every game, they'll, they'll highlight somebody from the armed forces, you know. So it's it's a lot to deal with. It's it's a big, you know, contradiction. Um, I'm, and I'm not even going to mention the whole Chavez regime, uh, ravine, and you know, you know, residents being displaced. So the stadium could be built and all that. You know, without, without even getting into that, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with, to struggle, to struggle with. You know, internally. I tr- I try to go to the bathroom too when the. Uh... Uh, when the pledge is on, but uh, one of my other uh, things I like to do is uh, like go and buy, like go and stand in a concession line, because like half, like half the people there in the line, in the line for stuff is you are usually like they're hung up. They're like, oh my god, do I keep shopping or do like or do I or do I uh, uh, do do the pledge? Because it's like, oh, America's two <laughs> pastimes are competing right there. It's very <laughs> funny to watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very funny. And I did, I did want to. Also, you know, talk about that too, because, um, like, you know, these poems are in Dryland as well, and I think this is a way to talk about both. Are you know, like, very, you know, very local. You're talking, you're talking about where you grew up. Like a lot of the lines, like, there's a few times where you like end a line with the word there, like T H E R E, and there's like a big, you know, you emphasize place a lot. Yeah, which is, you know, the port of place is actually something that I really wasn't. Uh... Uh, trying to become, you know, um, but I mean, in, you know, if you look at the dedication page, it's, it's dedicated, dedicated to my first um, creative writing teacher in East LA College. There's there's a quote there that says, "You're gonna be one of those LA poets," you know, which is something that she told me very early on. Uh, you know, I'm from South Central, but uh, I went to East LA College, which is like a whole kind of a different world to me, you know. And so one of our first assignments was uh, write a poem, I don't know, a neighborhood or something like that. But I wrote a very, very, very East L.A. poem filled with all the things that I would see on, on the bus down like uh, Cesar Chavez Avenue. And so after I turned in that assignment, you know, after read it in class or whatever, she, that's something she told me. You're going to be a poet. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I didn't really, I didn't take it like as a diss or a compliment. It was just, I just, it didn't really uh, matter to me until much later when it became true that, you know, I, I really was a poet, you know, and I come back to LA a lot, even, even when I don't want to, you know, I'm, I'm constantly writing about uh, the city and uh, it, might have to, it might have to do with the fact that I just, I'm always on public transportation, you know. To tie it, to tie your poems and uh, dryland together, I think uh, it seems to me that one uh, dryland is a place for you know those LA poets, as as she said. Do you do you feel that way too? Um, I mean that's definitely it's definitely how it started. You know, uh, we're definitely constantly going to as many readings as possible to recruit people to to submit. You know, and especially artists, but. Um, every issue we're we're going out a, a little bit further, you know. So 
not just LA. It's I mean, it's definitely I think always going to have that Chicano LA vibe just because uh, the two people that are you know putting it together are LA Chicanos. So I mean, that influence is always going to be in there. Um, but we definitely don't want to you know limit ourselves to just LA or to just you know Chicanos or Latinos, you know, or Latinx. No, for sure. I no, for sure. There's a you know there's a there's all kinds of people in the in the in the journal and um you know like you you've reviewed books like um you you've reviewed books in there and you've also uh, translated some stuff into spanish in there so yeah i mean there's a lot there's a lot going on but it does seem to me that that's definitely a part of it i know that's that's a big it's a big influence and it's going to continue to be i mean as far as uh, also the artwork in there that's for the most part all la based artists and it's always been just LA based artists I think until this next issue that's coming out we're we're trying to get a couple of artists from Chicago and, and even a woman from Mexico City so hopefully that uh, through it doesn't fall through you know uh, yeah I'm really excited about that in one of your interviews I think you mentioned with um, Viva that you do a lot of the emailing for the for dryland and I do you know, just trying to line up stuff for their, whether it's podcasts or, you know, lining up submissions for a journal. That's, you know, that's very time consuming work. It's probably my, probably the most time consuming part of this podcast outside of doing all the reading. Is, did you spend a lot of time doing that too? Or is it just, it's just me or am I just bad at this? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very time consuming, but I mean, to me, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't mind the fact that it's time consuming. I, I'm more, I'm more, mind that it's just really like mundane you know um we get a lot of submissions and we have to get back to everybody and sending the acceptance emails that's you know always fun and whatnot uh, but the majority of things we're gonna have to do is to send out you know rejections which it's not easy you know it's never easy uh, to send out a rejection and it over and over you know it it it, uh, it can take a lot, of, uh, a lot out of you, you know. So that's that's my main complaint about it. Yeah, no, I feel that, and I think you mentioned elsewhere too that you you read all of the submissions. Oh yeah, definitely. I read every. I mean, right now, I'm definitely reading everything. You know, even if I if the first line sounds like oh, this is something that's probably not gonna fit. I'll still read it and see if maybe it surprises me or something, you know. And I just want to make sure that everything gets read, you know, at least once. Uh, we got a ton of submissions this year, um, much more than than last year. Uh, probably due to that we got some, you know, some some uh, press attention, you know. And we'll probably continue to have a lot of submissions. Uh, if if it increases, I don't know if I'll be able to read everything. Um, I think we might be getting some help, you know, getting some readers or something like that, at least maybe one other person. Uh, but right now, I'm, I'm making sure everything gets read at least once. Yeah, it seems to me that, you know, a lot of places don't do that. And, you know, I think this goes, you know, deep to the deeper, I guess, the like, ethos of Dryland, because, like, you know, on your on the About page on the website, like, it mentions, like, that this is, like, a community endeavor, but, you know, it very specifically says not a nonprofit. And I think, you know, there's a, is that like part of the, you know, deeper philosophy, would you say? 
Yeah, I mean, it's more the, the philosophy of the, the founding editor, which is, you know, uh, Papadilla. And, I mean, she just doesn't want to be under any kind of, you know, uh, uh, governmental rules or anything like that. You know, she doesn't uh, uh, want to compromise herself or, you know, do anything that, uh, you know, it's not, you know, within her standards and whatnot, you know. She wants to do her own thing. She wants to keep it independent, as independent as possible. That I think that really comes through, like you know, both in terms of the content and you know, in terms of you know the practices you're both engaging in, and that's like you know, I think really cool to see overall. It's a pretty nonprofit-driven art scene and poetry scene, so you know, like that's a yeah. big change. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, you know, and I think me and you have both. You know, met a lot of people on, on Twitter, a lot of poets who are just uh, doing things very DIY, you know, and very underground. And I mean, there's a lot of fucking dope ass uh, poets out there. For sure. And I think you, you mentioned you were translating one of Steele's poems for, I think, for, for the next issue, right? Yeah, for this uh, next issue, uh, which, by the way, I'm hoping, we're hoping, I guess, will be out uh, early next month, maybe. Cross your fingers. Oh, uh, but wow. anyways, yeah. Uh, Steele's poem, Steele's poem, which was uh, first published online on the Paint Bucket page, um, it was like definitely my favorite poem published online last year. Maybe, maybe even my favorite poem that I read last year. You know, it's so freaking awesome. I just, I love that poem. And, you know, I talked to Eva, and I was like, man, you know, we should really, really, you know, publish this, uh, reprint this, because, you know, uh, for the read dry line, I really need to see this, you know. And not only that, but I feel like, you know, the, the, the communities where the journals gets uh, picked up the most would really uh, appreciate a Spanish translation, you know. I mean, I mean, there's a lot, actually a lot of reasons why I want to include this poem. And, you know, right now, uh, Dryland gets picked up a lot at uh, cafes, small independent cafes, uh, like Patria Coffee here in Compton, where I live, and then uh, Crucitas Coffee in Herman Park, and then uh, also in uh, Royal Heights. The name escapes me right now. But, you know, these three communities are also, besides having uh, large sections of Spanish-speaking people, uh, these are all areas that are finding like gentrification. The poem, I think, speaks directly to those communities. And so that's why I wanted to include it and also definitely include a Spanish translation. And I've never, never uh, translated a, a poem before. This is my first time. Um... But, I mean, I love it. I think it's important. I think it's important to do. I think a lot of people had that reaction to that, to Steele's poem. And I think we're talking about To Eat the Fruit. But um, yeah. I just wanted to say, like, in terms of, like, the context of the, like, dryland overall, like, you know, it, it really fits in with what you've been publishing, whether it's, like, Wendy or Megan or um, Matthew Woodman, I think it was. There's You're publishing a lot of really critical leftist leftist poems in, in your in your pages. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, a lot of it is not even, like, uh, 
not a, you know, we're not really going out of our way uh, to do that, you know. This stuff gets sent to us, you know. Like, people are kind of, like, recognizing the work that Viva has been doing. Uh, because, I mean, this is, this is, this is her baby. Uh, she started it, you know, five years ago. Uh, I jumped on uh, first uh, report, I think maybe in issue six, and then in issue eight. And then after that, you know, I uh, uh, I joined staff. Um, so I've been I've been helping out since uh, since issue nine. Yeah, I've been on staff since issue. But it's really a testament to the work that she's been doing, you know seeing that she puts out quality stuff you know stuff that is important to the community and you know these artists and poets in the community are you know contributing their artwork to dryland to making it you know what it is right now too often um like art is used in the process of gentrification and it's like i i've struggled to think of examples where you know it's it's fighting it i think yeah no that's 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 very true. That's very true. Yeah, and I want to say too, I feel like, you know, your your own poetry uh fits in well with the themes of, you know, Dryland itself. Whether it's, you know, the, the leftist politics or, you know, the sometimes focus on LA. Do you feel do you feel like I guess being a part of Dryland has really influenced your poems over the past couple of years? Um I mean I I I, I think to me the, the most important part of uh but being a poet is, is, is reading, you know? I don't even think it's writing. It's reading, you know? Because to me, you definitely want to be influenced uh, with what's out there. Uh, so I would, I mean, that's definitely a yes, you know? And I try to read as much as possible, you know? Not just, you know, the submissions that we get, but just um, as much as I can that's, that's out there in the world. And I mean, that's why... You know, I love Twitter. That's why I connected with uh, so many awesome poets and ordered a whole bunch of chapbooks. I just got you know Steele's chapbook in the mail uh, this week. You know, um, so I, I so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely you know letting myself be influenced by by submissions and, and just whatever I'm reading in general. Yeah, and that really comes through, like in your poems. So many of them are either after or dedicated to like um, I don't know Wanda Coleman, Nikki Giovanni, or you know Michael Robin. That really fits in with um, your your poems themselves. The uh, you know that practice of reading, and I, I agree. I think that is the most important thing for a poet is is reading. And uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but it does seem like some people are perhaps not doing the reading. Uh, I, I guess especially a lot of the uh, younger poets, you know, um, kind of feel like they just you know need to write and. Get what they have, you know, out there, out on out on the page, you know. But you know, it's it's cool. It's it's important. Um, but I mean, you gotta you you gotta see what's out there. So, so you know, um, how can I put this? So you can be able to to frame it well, I guess. You know, maybe that's. That's a important thing. A lot of stuff that people miss, you know, they're kind of just vomiting out their emotions and in a very good way that you would want to read it, you know? 
maybe you could talk like specifically about um a couple poems in here like um one of the ones that really stuck with me when i read like i re maybe not stuck with me but like i really felt it when i read it was um an la storm um because i i live in los angeles too and it's just you really do i guess capture what it's like to you know what it's like when it actually rains here because it doesn't happen often but you know it is a it is a very specific kind of thing yeah i think this that poem went through a lot of uh a lot of editing, a lot of changes. I think at you know, one point, um, Eva had even helped me a lot with this. For the, I mean, for this book, a lot of these poems uh, are drafted to the bar, you know. And what I what I mean by that is, I actually wrote a lot of these poems like, you know, sitting at a bar somewhere. Well, I mean, the bar, you know, to just you know favorite bars that I would uh, frequent in, in downtown. Um, but yeah, um, I think uh, at one point, uh, well, I think one of these stanzas was actually also <laughs> influenced by uh, um, the Watchmen graphic novel. Maybe the, the third one where it talks about uh, filth and without gutters. I was thinking about some of the opening lines in, in that graphic novel with the... And actually, and then that same stanza, um, I'm referencing a, a quote from uh, you know, Chairman Mao, you know? That stanza is referencing this, the ending to this really awesome poem by Gary Soto called Oranges. If you've never read it, you should definitely look it up after this. Pretty awesome, beautiful poem. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for, I guess, like, uh, walking, walking me through that poem a bit. Cause that is, like I said, that is, I think one of the ones that really, I guess specifically, you know, spoke to me in that way, but I guess like too, I wanted to talk about, um, some of the, like the, the confessional poem series and how that kind of weaves the book together. I'd be interested to know, like, since you mentioned you wrote a lot of these in bars, was that like, was that the same kind of process for those poems? Cause they kind of feel like a, a line running throughout it, you know? I mean, I think pretty much every every one of these poems, I've had a draft, you know, working bar. You know, there's this one bar uh, that uh, I like to frequent right now called Hank's Bar. I mean, although, you know, I haven't been there since the whole pandemic started. And I hope I hope it's still around when all this stuff is over. But uh, this challenge, a lot of time working at, it at that bar, you know. After work, I would just uh, take my laptop over there, and I have like a, this one table where I usually sit at. And, you know, it's just like this dark corner, whatever, and, and like order a drink, and then just kind of just work on these poems in there, you know. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like I spend all my time at the bar or writing at the bar, because that's that's not the case. Another good chunk of this book was actually just. Kind of work at a you know cafe, yeah, yeah, and that makes I guess that helps me makes more sense. Uh, the artist, the the photo of you at the back of the book, I'm guessing that was uh, in a cafe, one of the cafes or bars you mentioned. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's at a a cafe. Um, 
where I was meeting with like with my mentor, my publisher from uh, Distill Arts. I would meet with him, and you know we would edit my poems and um, give them like on a weekly basis. Every time I met with him, he'd like sneak a photo of me, you know, and this is photos. Yeah, I gotta say I really like the Hello Kitty. I think Dodgers uh, home oh, plate yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe you could tell us a bit about a bit about um, the pu- the publisher you mentioned for the chapbook. Oh yeah, um, the Still Arts um, the organization um, that uh, it's a non non profit, uh, and they do a lot of arts mentorship as well as uh, theater writing classes. Usually, you know, usually you know. Pre-pandemic, you know, they would have the classes at like libraries. Uh, they have one in East LA, and they have one. Uh, I'm not sure which is the one that I would go to most more recently. Uh, I discovered uh, the still arts at a very tough time in my life. I was employed, uh, you know, for the first time ever being on leave uh, and stuff like that. Then um, and uh, classes, and you know the it's pretty much just run by this one guy, uh, Luis, who was helping me edit this book. And they're just, you know, a great organization now publishing a lot of really awesome. You know, we were talking about Dylan Bishop Mind. Uh, Janice Miller, who has a poem in, in that journal, she just put out a chapbook with the Still Arts um, earlier this year. In February, Battle uh, Ska, who's also in Dylan and Lynch, put out her. They got more coming, you know. They're a great organization. People should look them up. D S T L Arts. Yeah, no, thank you. And um, I guess if you don't mind, like <clears throat> me asking, like, how are you doing with um, like the with Corona and everything that's been shut down lately? Because that's been, yeah, it's been a mess. And it's it's fucking crazy. It's I don't know. Man. I feel it's I feel weird about it because I don't know. At the very like the first couple of months. First couple of months, I was fucking thriving, dude. Because prior to that, I was setting up and trying to do all these readings, as many readings as possible, you know. I had something lined up every day. I was never home. Never readings got canceled and whatnot. I about it, but I actually had time that I just wanted to do, like, read. I've been reading so many books been rereading stuff uh, stuff that I've been wanting to watch and I would you know I would still have to go to work you know that's that's the tough part about it you know, I still have to go to work every day in the beginning I was like a little bit scared because I was you know using public transportation I'm just you know scared of you know getting sick but more than that getting people around me sick you know family members, you know, so that's why I was really, like, conflicted about it. Then, you know, and even with that, things were still happening, like, good things were still happening, I was still getting published, and I was still being able to get readings online, and even, you know, get some income out of those, so that was cool. But now, now, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a lot more scarier now, I think. 
a lot more scared, you know. Cases here in, in California and LA is going up and up, you know. Over where I work, I work I work at a I'll just say I work at a shelter. It was uh for a long time we where I work, nobody nobody had the COVID, you know? Miraculously nobody, you know. Four weeks ago I I know it's a little bit scary. And you know, they were giving us hazard pay. But now I think, you know, since shelter they don't really have a lot of money, now they can't afford us. It was a hazard pay anymore, so now pretty fucking whack and I mean I have to go to work. I ain't got no choice. I have to go to work. Every fucking day I'm risking my life. Yeah, no, this whole this whole thing has been, yeah, really disorienting, I guess is one way. Is guess I guess how I feel about it. Because on the one hand, like, yeah, I've I've got a ton of a reading done, um, but like the experience of having to work still, and I don't like I'm not even I don't have to really go into going to work that much. I can mostly work from home, but yeah, it's it's fuck it's still fucking stressful as hell, and yeah, I don't know. It's like some things continue normally, but then just other things just completely come to a stop. If that makes sense. Like, you know, they're trying to restart baseball, for instance. Like, that's really, that's really disorienting. And I, I don't know. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been, it's been hard. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely hard on everybody. I mean, I, I'm still, you know, pretty lucky. Yeah, no, that's how, yeah, I feel just lucky to have a, have a job too, to be honest. But yeah, it doesn't mean it's not uh, super stressful most of the, yeah, most of the rest of the time. Um. And I guess too, like, um, what is what has Dryland been like? In Dryland is, I, I kind of like the same, you know. For the first couple of months, was actually doing pretty well because we had time to read all these submissions that we got. You know, we got uh, we have time to read submissions, and then we actually also had the opportunities to, to do some readings online. And we did a partnership with the the Archie Museum for that. That was like just really awesome and really you know un- really unexpected, you know, but really awesome. So we had a lot of uh, good stuff uh, happen with us. Um, but now you know it's it's just now what we're worried about is you know all the places where people usually pick up dry land are those places still going to be around? You know all these bookstores, all these cafes, arts. And- able to survive this pandemic you know that's that's what we're we're worried about you know um how are we going to be able to to get you know dry land out to the people that usually you know yeah it really does feel like um the way things are going at times it really does feel like this is a huge opportunity for the for the disaster capitalism type type stuff and that is it's disconcerting to see some of that stuff already kind of lining up like that yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I just, you know, I feel, you know, for all those uh, businesses, you know, especially the ones that, that I really love, you know, the shops, I think, you know, for the most part, I think, like, the coffee shop that I frequent, coffee, I think they're, they're doing okay, and, you know, so, but what I'm really worried about is, you know, the bookstores, I love reading so much, I love bookstores, like, Support this as much as possible. Worried, you know that they won't be able to keep their their doors open with this. Uh, 
there's so many good like local bookstores too that I that I care about that you know sell <laughs> sell sell things that you can't buy in fucking Barnes and Noble. I almost said I almost <laughs> said Borders. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that, that one's gone already. F for Borders. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, but like, I, well, actually, that that kind of dovetails with um, I got a copy of your chapbook from from uh, Tia Chucha's in um, Samar. And oh, yeah, it's another yeah, one of those. Yeah, awesome. yeah it's yeah. another one of those local places that you know. I think they seem to be doing all right, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of places like that in LA that I, you know, would really that I really hope make it through. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but like, um, well, actually, do you does Dryland sell there? I've not seen it there actually. Uh yeah, yeah, they they do carry it. Um, I mean, I don't know. If, uh, they have any more issues left there, but they definitely do. Definitely do, and when the new issue comes out, it will definitely be there. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, sorry. I keep uh, yeah, getting, uh, getting distracted. But, um, yeah, like, um, well, let me ask you at this point, like, is there anything you, else you want you wanted to talk about? I don't want to run over run over uh, anything you might... I don't want to miss anything that you want to talk about. Um, no, not off the top of my head, no. I mean, just, you know... Uh, I'm excited, you know, for the new issue of Dryland. Um, we're going to have uh, Patrick Martinez who did the cover art. You know, we we asked him thinking that he was not even going to respond to us because he's kind of like more well-known, a lot more well-known than, you know, some of the artists that we're used to working with, you know, more well-known. And like said, like, yes, right away. We're like really excited about that. Um, it's going to be our first like wraparound cover. Yeah, I mean, just uh, like last issue, issue number nine is you know pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. You know, first page to the last. Egan Dorami, Wendy Trevino, all these really awesome poets. Well, I didn't know we were going to be able to, to top that, you know, because the cover art was also great. You know, for a long time, we didn't know, we didn't know what we were going to have on the cover because, um, you know, the cover art we just got, like, very recently. But, um, yeah, issue 10 is definitely, I think, going to top issue 9. It's, it's, I don't think we could do it, but it's, it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm very excited and... Um, Right before I got on this uh, this call, Eva sent me a photo that she just started laying out the issue. You know, but that's only going to take her a couple of days to to come very close to. Yeah, that's really exciting, and yeah, I think maybe maybe we could maybe is there anyone like you mentioned, um, Megan Dorame, and like you know, yeah, that were really I think really good, and it's, it's yeah, I don't know, it's it's kind of wild to say that you're. You feel like yeah, uh, you can, you're gonna top what you did in issue nine because there's so many, there were so many. Uh, yeah, I, I guess like for me, just really spoke to, you know, uh, the aims of, for instance, the Marxist Poetry Podcast generally, and yeah, it's, I don't know, it's encouraging to see, you know, yeah, and, uh, doing stuff like that. I mean, it's definitely gonna have a you know, political edge. Um, next issue, uh, I mean, just having that. To me, just having that poem from Steel and that cover art, you know, is worth the price of admission to me, you know. So, 
it's going to be really awesome. Um, but uh, I was going to say um, uh, we're going to have Alan Cesaro, Monique Quintana, Tango Esing Martin is going to be in there. Eva Vecinos. Uh, and then I did a I did a an interview with uh, Barbara Jane Reyes. She's going to be in there and three poems from her new book that's coming out this fall are going to be uh, reprinted in there. So, yeah. It's a, a lot of, a bunch of cool names, actually. It's really exciting. What was it like to, what was it like for you to interview her? Because, like, I'm asking, too, because, like, you know, every once in a while I get to interview someone who, like, I, like, looked up to, and it's... Um, I was, you know, definitely nervous about it. I mean, the, what made it real easy is, uh, it was an email interview, you know? It was an email interview, so that made it super easy. Um, but I was nervous because I wanted to get all you know my shit together. So I did a I did a lot of research, a lot of research. And I was able to get a copy of a of her book uh, beforehand. So you know I, I got into that. I was you know reading her, her book, reading and rereading her blog. You know just so I could uh, make sure I. You know, asked what I asked what I thought you know would be the right questions. Yeah, and this might be putting you on the spot a bit, but you know, she her blog, she does have a lot of stuff on her blog. Was there anything like there that you'd recommend for people? Because um, definitely look up uh, this blog post. I think it's called uh, something along the lines about how does one become a poet? I think it's like any way they want or something like that. You know, kind of. A little bit about her story about how she got into poetry, the poetry scene, and how she actually came out of like the the spoken word scene in like the mid nineties, and even she hadn't even taken a creative writing class at that point. You know, uh, she didn't do that until later, and uh, she graduated from college. She graduated in, in ethnic studies, and then you know got into the whole MFA thing afterwards. You know, so. Yeah, that's definitely that 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 blog, and I think there's another one a little bit more recent than that one, where she's talking about uh, the title for the book. Get a title for that one right now, but those two blog posts I, I definitely recommend. Yeah, I'm excited to to read that interview because I can tell like you did a lot of research. Like I have that experience where I get ready for an interview and then I just. You know, I try and basically read everything, and you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like um, I feel ready to give you know ten thousand recommendations for someone's work after having read so much of it. Like I kind of feel like you were just now. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I think my favorite part of the interview that I did with her was when we were talking about uh, mixtapes. Oh hell yeah! Section, um, there's a section in her book. Uh, uh, middle section is all. Is all um, each poem is like um, the title is a song, a song by a different. And I really post stuff to say about it, you know. You know, oftentimes I think uh, both on the Dryland website and a few other places, maybe Distill, I saw it, but um, refer you either you or someone else referring to you as a as a sad boy, and I feel like um, I feel like there's a <laughs> there's definitely a musical connotation there. How like, how did you come to that title? I guess. Uh, I mean, really, because I think for the 
the most part, I guess, or before I toured a place, I was really just always writing these sad emo poems or whatnot, you know, which is really weird because, I mean, when I first got into poetry and, you know, this goes back to, uh, I mentioned Carol M, you know, like the first day, the first day of class, you know, she was going around uh, the room and asking everybody, you know, why, why are you taking this class, you know? And I was like, well, you know, I'm taking this creative writing class because I want to be a radical political poet, but, you know, so <laughs> when I was like, you know, 18, 19, 20, that's, I just wanted to be like a radical political poet. That's all I wanted to do. But, and I mean, I don't know, for a little while it was kind of like that. Uh, but when I got back into writing, uh, all the stuff that I was writing was just like stuff, you know. I don't know, actually, one of my, <laughs> one of my, what I feel is like one of my greatest accomplishments is that there's this uh, online journal called Sad Girl Review. You know, it started like very recently, like two years ago or something. First started, I submitted to it, you know, right away. Got rejected. Uh, uh, then when the second issue came out, I submitted and they took one of my poems. Maybe that's like one of the one of the biggest. Even though nobody really knows, well, not a lot of people know about like, this journal. Um, I love it. I love it just based on the name, you know. I mean, they published some cool stuff as well. But I just, that's me, you know? Yeah, it was on brand. <laughs> yeah, it's on brand. And I think, I think Viva calls me that a lot, you know? Kind of making fun of me. But I mean, it's true. I mean, that's just kind of like the music and, and stuff that, 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 that I like, you know, just sad stuff, sad, sad movies, all that good stuff, sad poetry, everything. Well, first off, I feel like, a lot like I feel like most poets go through a sad poems phase like i talked to up uh, from some dirt like a few times on this podcast and every time every time he comes on he he always says at some point and i'm not i'm making fun of him i just it's just a funny thing that he always does he's just like i think i'm done writing um like the kind of poems i i usually write i'm i'm gonna move to just writing like love poems basically and it's like yeah i just feel like and that's just like i just feel like every poet goes through that phase at some point like i've been through that phase <laughs> i feel like we've all been there uh yeah but i want to ask too like i guess you know i've talked a lot we i've i've talked a lot about like you know the the la poems in your book but um you know you end you end the you end the book with no more poems about la and i guess uh it ends with some of my favorite lines it's um it's time to burn down the hollywood sign it's time to pack my things and go and I guess, like, for me, what was interesting about, about that line was, like, um, you know, there's so many, there's so many, like, movies and shit about, like, L.A. blowing up or whatever. And this, like, to me, didn't feel like one of those moments. Like, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is, like, how, like, for, for you, like, what does, like, burning down Hollywood, I guess, mean in that, in that, in the context of this book? It can, it can be interpreted... I think in a lot of ways, of good ways, actually, I mean, 
say getting away with you know or doing away with you know people people being fake and whatnot. But I mean, actually, when I was writing that poem, I was thinking about my relationship with with the city, which is kind of like a love hate relationship, actually. You know, really, I really love the people. I really love the people here in LA. You know, but sometimes I just really don't like the city. I really actually look forward to to moving away one day. You know. Other than anything, I just hate the weather here. I just really hate the weather. I hate the sun. Especially right now. Over where I work at, I don't even have any AC. Up right now, you know. And so I just, I really just want to move to to the Pacific Northwest. Like uh, Seattle, maybe Portland. But yeah, that's, that's really about, that poem. really about my love-hate relationship with LA. It's hard to be you know, it's hard to be a sad boy in LA when the sun's always out, and it's yeah, so fucking yeah, hot. Exactly. That's why I have to go and crawl into the darkest corner of the bar. Yeah, at least some of those are cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I guess like, is there anything else that that you wanted to talk about? Um. Um. Uh. You know, I don't know. I, I just want want people to I'll drive around, check out the website. Check out our Twitter page. Check out my Twitter page. Um, right now, my writing. I'm trying to focus more on writing a poem with music, like uh, the stuff I had on on Drunk Monkeys earlier this year. I have like five poems on there. One is like a really hardcore political poem, and then the other four are, are all poems that have to do with music. You know, so I'm learning a lot of. Uh, a lot about music. I just drafted this poem that I've been wanting to write since last fall. I'm kind of working on doing another chapter book, and you know, I'm still writing about stuff that's going around. I have at least one pandemic related poem, and wrote some more political stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the lookout. Um, I try to be less boring as possible yeah well i guess that that's just like reminded me of something else that i, I kind of wanted to ask you about but i wasn't sure how to get at it but like it feels like kind of like we I'm, I'm kind of really excited to read some of your stuff about music because it feels like with the poems that of your of yours that i've read it feels like pop culture and stuff is always like just like a step away but never fully in frame if that makes sense and i i guess i'm just excited to to hear some of those yeah, um, it's it's always been there. It's always I, I just I mean I love pop culture. You know, I go to a lot of uh, or I used to go to a lot of uh, comic book conventions, the movies a lot. I used to at least you know. Um, um, that's why I, I'm actually a, I was a big uh, Michael Robbins fan. You know, because culture into his work. So yeah, uh, pop culture is, is always. I've been in, in, in my work and is there any um like you mentioned you've been you mentioned earlier you've been reading and watching a lot of stuff is there any anything in particular you'd want to recommend in that cat in that kind of vein hmm. man uh, <laughs> I mean a lot of stuff that I'm watching is just rewatching stuff you know I, I grew up being a big fan of the the x files 
um, you know, constantly, you know, rewatching uh, old episodes of the X Files. Uh, my favorite TV show ever is The Wire, and I re I rewatch entire series at least once every year. Speaking uh, on that, there's like this new kind of new podcast called uh, Way Down in the Hole. Uh, the host is uh, Janelle Hill. Episode they go through, through a podcast episode, they go through a, an episode from the show and in depth. It's really, really cool. It's really cool. So, I mean, if people have never seen The Wire, which there's actually a lot of people who've never seen The Wire, and which I, you know, it wasn't really promoted as much as, you know, The Sopranos. Uh, it, was around, it was out around the same time, you know, and people just don't know about it, but it's a great show and, you know, Definitely, I uh, recommend people watch that. It feels like one of those things where just like it's hard, like it's hard to hear about it. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it doesn't, like you're saying, it doesn't have the press of the Sopranos. But I feel like once you once you make it through a few episodes, there's no way you're gonna turn it off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but so, but uh, thank you for talking. Thank you, man. This was uh, this was great. This was different. It was great. I appreciate all the questions. Yeah, hopefully we can talk again when maybe your next book comes out, and maybe we'll be a few more issues into a couple more issues into Dryland to talk about too. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, I'm. I'm definitely hoping.